Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome in to Fourth Down in the Steel City as we build up towards Monday night and a huge game at Don't Call It Acrisure Stadium, Heinz Field. Alongside Josh Taylor, I'm Chris Mack, and we are going to get you ready for this one. All week long, we've been talking about physical beating the Steelers took from the San Francisco 49ers. Can they be the first team in at least a season to bounce back from a game against the Niners without a bye week following and actually win? This would be a pretty major pivot for the Steelers, uh, given the way they got physically manhandled this past Sunday. Don't forget, as we dive into things here, to subscribe. However you get your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get it, Spotify, or in your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, tap that little subscribe button or follow button and make sure you get notified as soon as new episodes are out. If you enjoy the show on YouTube, well, thank you very much. We we enjoy it on YouTube as well, and we appreciate you watching. Make sure to hit that notification bell on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, and you'll get notified as soon as new videos are up, including full episodes of Fourth Down in the Steel City. So, Here's the first thing that I find myself asking as we start to pivot away from San Francisco, Josh, and toward Cleveland, and it's this. Um, Can this offense bounce back, specifically Kenny Pickett? Because that was one of the worst, if not the worst performance I've seen from Pickett relative to expectations, certainly. But I think even overall, the worst performance we've seen from Kenny Pickett since he took over as the Steelers' starting quarterback, and... It can't get worse than last Sunday against San Francisco, but I'm just hoping that somehow it can pivot in another direction and get better against the defense that manhandled Joe Burrow a week ago. I say, yes, he can bounce back. And I say, yes, the offense can bounce back for a few different reasons. Reason number one is because last week against San Francisco was the sum of all fears. Everything we talked about, that could potentially go wrong for the Steelers on offense is what exactly happened. We talked about this defense being physical and being able to beat people up. That's exactly what they did. The best defense, I'm going to remind people, the best defense in the land last season in both yards and points came into Acrisure Stadium and punched the Steelers in the face in front of their kids and stole their chain. (laughs) That's the best way to describe it. I don't think that's going to happen the second time around. Now, that's the bad news about what happened last week. 
the good news is that's the best defense they're going to face all year. Yeah. So I think that's why, if only by comparison, if only by lack of better alternative, they could bounce back. That's the first reason. The second reason why I think they could bounce back is because I don't think we're going to see Kenny Pickett have that many bad performances back-to-back. Because we didn't see that last year where he had bad performances back-to-back. So I think that can change this time around. I think he's going to learn from the mistakes that he made this time around. And I also think that even though we saw some of the things might be relative to play calling, while that might be true, some of it might be relative to the guys around him, and that might be true, including losing his best route runner, not only during that game, but also now for the next nearly month and a half, and that might be true. I also think that Kenny Pickett will raise his level of play, and he won't look that bad two weeks in a row. The third reason why I think it could be better, and honestly, this is one of those times where I'm going to put some people in conflict here because, Chris, I'm pretty sure that there's some of our colleagues right now that are that that sweaty guy meme trying to pick between the two different buttons, <laughs> and one of them is trying to atone for Kenny Pickett's inaccuracy in certain situations, and the other one is pro football focuses offensive line pass block ratings because they weren't good either, and you're like, well, which one do we blame? We, we don't know which. One it could be because if you have to admit one, then that also means you have to. I, I say all three of those things as reasons why this offense can bounce back because I don't think all three of those things are going to happen next week. I don't think they're going to get kicked in the teeth by Cleveland's defense. I don't think any pick is going to have a bad performance the second week in a row, and I don't think the offensive line will look that bad a second time in a row. Yeah, the offensive line is an interesting part of this. We were going back and forth looking at different rankings earlier in the week in reaction to week one, and the scores were not good from PFF in particular. Uh, I'm just looking at it again, and and after they sort of clean things up, go through the game a second and third time, um, Dan Moore Jr. was ranked dead last amongst all tackles in the league week one. Um, Isaac Sayamalu did not have a solid game. I believe eighth worst amongst all guards in the league. Mason Coles, I believe sixth or seventh worst center amongst all centers in the league. Again, these are according to PFF's rankings. So whether you're a PFF proponent or critic does not matter. They're, they're ranking all these guys and the numbers are not good relative to the rest of the league, I think is the most important part. So the line's got to be better. We all agree on that. The coaching, I do think, has to be better. I'm, we're not those guys yes. to try to make it all about Matt Canada, but it's got to be better, not just than it was against San Francisco, but than it has been at any other time in Canada's tenure because they're without Deontay yep. Johnson, like you pointed out, their best route runner. And so George Pickens is going to be double covered, I would say, 90% of the time. So, A, identify when your wide receiver one is single covered and get him the damn ball. And two, knowing that nine times out of 10, he's going to be double covered, find ways to scheme him out of that coverage um, or scheme him into a spot where he can make a play on a ball. That's the other thing I don't necessarily trust yet. And again, I, I preface everything with the caveat of we don't put everything on Matt Canada. Other people make mistakes. We just got done talking about the line. As far as Kenny Pickett is concerned, I'm worried, to be honest. Um, I do believe, like you, that he is more likely for a, a bounce back in his accuracy. Um, but 
this is going to have to he, he's going to have to show that week one against San Francisco was a radical kind of outlier, like that it was the worst possible performance he could ever put out there, which I think it's right up there as one of the worst performances he's ever put out there. And that all he has to do is come back to baseline, come back to the middle. He does not have to be otherworldly. He doesn't have to go 33 of 36 for 330 yards. All he's got to do is come back to what is asked of Kenny Pickett. And I think, think that should be enough if everything else breaks the right way. But he can't. I hesitate to tell a young quarterback you can't make mistakes because then things start to clinch up, right? And it's, oh, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do that. And he starts throwing darts. But Kenny Pickett can't make any mistakes this weekend because if he does, especially early in the game, and it swings things in Cleveland's direction, gives him a short field, whatever it may do, leads to points, and Cleveland gets up by, I think the magic number right now is probably 10. Um, If they get up by 10 or more, I don't don't count on the Steelers being able to fight back against that. So, again, I hesitate to say that Kenny Pickett can't bounce back or won't bounce back. I just don't know if it's going to be in the way some people want it to be. It's not going to be glorious, you know, return to – Hall of Fame style quarterbacking that some people have claimed he's capable of. I just just be good enough. Just get back to the baseline. Um, if he can do that, okay, that's enough. There, there's two proponents that I should say there's two components, not proponents, two components that I will add to this particular discussion. One is that you hope, and I, I say hope in capital letters, bold and italicized and underlined. You hope that you don't have to abandon the run game so quickly. There are people saying like, oh, why'd they give up on the run game? They were down by 17. That's why you gave up on the run game. When you're down 17, trying to get a a split zone duo for three yards or first down no longer makes sense anymore. So that's, that's the answer to that question for those who still can't figure that part out. But you hope they don't have to do that this time. You're hoping that the run game can actually be part of the game plan now. And that's for two reasons. One, because you've got to get your running backs involved at some point. And two, because you're hoping Darnell Washington has a reason to get himself onto the field. Because if that's the reason that you put him on the field, based on what we're seeing with some of the people that are cutting clips online and putting them out there, them bearing any white jersey he saw last week, if that's your excuse, that's a good enough excuse for me because you're going to need him at some point. Yeah, tomorrow this, when we get into – when we get into building – I'm oh, sorry, go talking ahead, go about ahead. George Pickens. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear what you're saying about George Pickens, and I, I, I understand the, the understanding of, yeah, you got to find a way to, to, to move things around and get him involved. But here's the second part of it. Folks, defenses study film too. They pay the guys on the other side of the ball too. They know George Pickens is coming. They have heard the same things and seen the same things in the offseason that we have seen and heard in the offseason. I'm sure they saw the preseason tape of what he did against Atlanta and what he did against Tampa Bay, too. I'm sure the Browns know. And, oh, yeah, by the way, hey, Mike Tomlin already said, hey, Cleveland's corners might have won that game against Cincinnati for them next week. So this will not be an easy task. However, there has to be a way that they get George Pickens involved. But it's not just necessarily, hey, put George Pickens here and throw the ball every other down 40 yards down the field. No, it's do some things with Allen Robinson. It's do some things with Calvin Austin III. It's do some things with Pat Pryermuth that make them more accountable in the offense to get them involved. And 
Then when Cleveland has to pay those guys attention, all right, fine. One-on-one on the outside, now you go to George Pickens. You don't just do it every other snap willy-nilly because, oh, five minutes ago, I'm about to have him thrown it to George Pickens. That's not how football works. If you got a guy that's bracketed or double teamed or shaded over in that direction, it doesn't make throwing the ball to him prudent in that particular moment. However, if you got Pat Fryermuth lined up on a linebacker and he keeps beating him, and you got to get a safety down to take care of the middle of the field. Now you got a shot to go to George Pickens. You have to be prudent about it. You got to get Calvin Austin the third. Maybe you put both of them on the side and let them both go deep down the field and make the defense decide which one they're going to cover. That's one way you can get around not having Deontay Johnson. That's where Matt Canada has to be creative because it can't be, oh, just throw the ball twice as much to that guy because guess what the defense is going to do? They're going to try twice as hard to take that guy away. So now you got to get other guys involved too. So all of this comes together. Your run game's got to get going. you got to get other guys involved in the pass game. And more importantly, and the thing that ties it all together, your line has to block well to make it all work or all of this is moot in the long term anyway. Yeah, and it all starts with the quarterback. We'll expound a little bit more as we build the game plan on tomorrow's episode of Fourth Down in the Steel City, but it all starts with the quarterback. On the other side of the ball, it all starts with the superstar edge rusher, the guy who may have had the best edge rushing day of anyone in the league in week one, even in a loss. We get into TJ Watt and whether he can carry this defense now with Cam Hayward out, especially up front. That's next on Fourth Down in the Steel City.